Hi, my name is Gary Weber, and I'm the pastor at Southside Baptist Church, and I want to thank you for listening to today's podcast. I know many of you listen on a regular basis, or maybe some of you are just joining us for the first time as churches move to online, but we want to give all of you an opportunity to support the ministry here at Southside Baptist Church, whether that's in our physical campus or right here through the virtual campus in the ministry of the podcast and the online services. You can contribute by going to ssbc.org and clicking the Give tab. There you can make a one-time gift or a recurring gift, and anything you can do would be greatly appreciated. Hey, we hope you're doing well. We'd love to hear from you. Enjoy today's message. It is also my privilege today to introduce our guest speaker. And after we uh, sing one more great song of the faith, we are going to welcome her to the stage. But I just want to introduce my friend Miko Peach to you. Uh, She is down here on the row with Sherry sitting here. Uh, Miko is the Marriage and Family Program Manager for Live the Life in Jacksonville. Um, But that's not the most important thing about Miko. More important than that is her family who will be joining her for the, uh, for the later service. She's got a husband and three children, and, uh, and they're going to be joining us later for the later service. And then also, uh, Miko loves the Lord. She is a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. She is committed to the Word of God, and she is constantly amazed by the Holy Spirit. And so we are delighted to have Miko with us today. Uh, Miko asked me in our last phone conversation, she said, uh, she said, why would you ask me to do this? And I, you know, when we were praying about, um, about having somebody come in during this series, this glass ceiling series, I was really praying about who it would be. And the Lord kept bringing Miko back to my mind. I met Miko about three years ago at a JBA event. Uh, Mike is here. I know Mike's somewhere in the room. I saw you just a minute ago. There he is. Mike's back here. And I remember meeting Miko at that uh, event when she was introducing herself as part of Live the Life. And I just know, you know, when you meet somebody and there's something, I I always think it's the Holy Spirit. There's something that the Holy Spirit just says to you, keep your eye on this one. And it wasn't in a bad way. It was in a good way. Um, So, so I just remember and have followed her. Darren has worked with her in several projects. Miko is going to also be uh, doing some training in July for people who are interested in being marriage mentors and helping to lead marriage uh, kind of conferences or marriage uh, just workshops. If you are interested in being part of that, please look for that information. It will be coming to be a part of that training. And then she's going to come back in September. And on Wednesday evening, she is going to be leading a marriage workshop here for us at Southside. And so we are very delighted, not just to have Miko here today, but for this partnership that we've had with Miko and uh, also to welcome her ministry into uh, Southside, the Southside family over these next few months as she, uh, as she brings it here to Southside. So would you give Miko Page a nice, warm Southside welcome? Well, great sanctification Sunday morning, Southside. Okay, I feel at home. I feel at home. First of all, to Pastor Gary and Darren who invited me to be a part of this series of glass ceilings, I, am ex- I feel extremely valued. And let me just tell you, from the time that I have spent with both of them, Southside, you are truly blessed to have them as your shepherds. Yes, yes. So, um, first of all, I feel at home. I, some of you may be thinking, well, well, who is Miko Page? Other than, in addition to the introduction that Pastor Gary gave you, I am a Mississippi girl. And I grew up in a small town, and my spiritual heritage is 
Mount Vernon Baptist Church. So when I came in and I heard that piano and that organ, I was like, these are my people. This is my home, okay? All right. So let me share with you a little bit more about who I am. So I have, I'm honored to be the wife of 22 years to Christopher Page, the, the, the mother of Taylor Page, uh, let's see, Taylor Page, who will be almost 18 years of age. She's graduating high school on Friday. Little fun fact, my birthday is on Friday, and I graduated 29 years ago on the same day. So we're really excited about that. Then in the middle there, we have my son, Christian. He is 15 and in the ninth grade. And then on the right side, we have Madison. She's 19. She just completed her first year at the University of North Florida. And we cannot leave out or ignore the puppy, okay? This is Leo, our golden doodle we got in September. And so he's brought a lot of life to our house, okay? He's, He's been good for our family. You know, with my children, one of the things that I'm most proud of is not what they have accomplished, but who they are as human beings, you know? So the title of my my message today is Jesus Valued Women. Now, I speak better when you communicate back to me. Remember, I'm from Mississippi, and I am a Southern Baptist, okay? All right, so... You know, Jesus showed the world what it meant to value women. Women were honored, but not valued. So you may ask, well, well, what's the difference? You can honor someone and not value them, but you can't value someone without honoring them. When you value someone, inherently, you honor them. So let's talk about value. Especially in the context of relationships, there is a sacrifice, there is intentionality, and there is compassion. With value, there is an internal motivation. There is a I want to. Honor, on the other hand, could just be external motivation. You know, you stand up because everybody else is standing up. You're doing something because it looks good or you're supposed to do it. So I can honor the wishes of another person but not value those wishes when I'm not with them. So my husband loves to give really what I would consider expensive greeting cards for occasions to loved ones. So when I have to buy a card for him or on his behalf, I will spend five or six dollars for a greeting card, okay? Now, if I'm buying it, I will travel to my local Dollar Tree and pay a dollar or 50 cents because they have a lovely selection, okay? (laughs) So value and honor, all right? Now, Women had not been valued and therefore had very little influence in Jesus' day. They did not have a significant role in society, nor were they given a seat at the table where important decisions were made. Jesus made room at the table where previously there had, women had been excluded. He was the one that broke the glass ceiling. He is the original women's rights activist. 
I have been in situations where I was the only female at the table. And let me tell you, it is extremely gratifying, not just to have my presence welcomed, but to also have my thoughts and opinions taken into consideration where decisions need to be made. Our key scripture for today is from Luke chapter 8, verse 1 through 3. And it reads, And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. A certain woman, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils, and Joanna, the wife of Shusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others, which ministered unto him of their substance. Jesus highly valued the lives of women. We will explore what does it mean to value something and who are these women that Luke specifically referenced and what can we learn from them? So let's take a closer look at what does it mean to value something? You know, when you value something, you have regard for it. It has importance. There's an intrinsic value and worth there. We value people, we value pets, we value property, we value food, we value experiences. However, we don't value those things all in the same way. There's a hierarchy to where we place our importance. So I value people above things and experiences. There are certain people in my life that have greater value. I, I value my mom and dad greater than I do my, let's just say, neighbors. I value my husband greater than I do my boss at work. Okay? Dust, for example, has very little intrinsic value to most of us. You know, it gets in the air, it settles on our furniture, we use it to, you know, get rid of stuff. Hey, let's, let's go, we need the dust, get, get rid of it, okay? And Jesus even told his disciples, when you go to the homes preparing to share the gospel and it is not received, dust the, the you know, shake the dust off of your feet and move on. You and I, ladies and gentlemen, are glorified dust. We get our value, however, from the one who created us, and that is the great I am. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 says, And the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. We were formed from the dust of the ground, fashioned by God's hand with his breath in us. That is value. You invest in what you value. See, we invest time, energy, and resources in the things that are most important to us. So let's look at these three elements. Time. God set aside time. Out of all eternity, he paused to create us. You know, I value my marriage and therefore I invest time in my marriage. Chris and I have a night once a week that we set aside as date night. We're very intentional about it. We take turns planning it, but because we value our relationship, we know that it's important to invest time. Number two, energy or effort. God formed man. The Hebrew word there means to mold like a potter. 
energy, effort. I invest energy and effort with Chris. I may, he likes hand and foot massages. So I will exert energy and effort in giving him hand and foot massages. Or we like to play tennis. Now, I'm not very good, even though I like the exercise. He likes beating me. Hey, it's a win-win. Okay. Um, lastly, resources. So God invested his resources in us. Breath and dust both belong to him. Have you heard, I love the, 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 the joke about the scientists and God and how the scientists challenged God to a contest on who could create the better human. And God tells him, okay, great, you're wrong, let's go. At which time the, the scientist in great delight bends over and begins to pick up some dust for, to make his human being. And God says, no, no, you gotta get your own dust. See, God can create out of nothing, but we do not have that ability. A resource can be, so looking at resources, God's resources were, you know, his breath and his and, and dust. Resources can be tangible or intangible. So I could invest, for example, my car to our date night. That's a tangible item. Okay, Chris, I'm going to drive my car for our date night, all right? Or it could be something intangible, like I could invest my knowledge and expertise into my husband in a way that is meaningful to him. But you've got to have time, energy, and resources. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, God created them. Male and female, he created them. Male and female different but with equal value. In his image, you know, God just had me pause there for a minute. So when I think about that, that's characteristics, ability, likeness. Could there be a greater sign of honor and value than to be created in our God's image? You know, the Bible is a book mostly written by men and about men. Okay, about 90% of the, of the people named in the Hebrew Bible are men. However, a woman's presence and impact can be seen throughout the scripture. Sometimes we might have to look a little more closely and comb through the scriptures a bit, but trust me, her presence and her value are there. You know, I can get a good idea about how much you value something by two things. Number one, how do, you, how do you care for or treat it? And number two, what are you willing to do to keep and protect it? Let's explore. Care. If you tell me that you value your children, then I'm looking for evidence of that, okay? Do you protect their spirit, soul, and body? Do you provide food, clothing, and shelter for them? Do you get involved in meaningful ways with your children? Because what you care about you get involved in. My, I grew up, I started twirling the baton at the age of five. My mom said I was a busy little bee and I needed something to keep me active. Can you imagine? Just, I don't. So I was about seven or eight years old and there was a parade. Well, the parade was going to be during the week. Both of my parents were school teachers, but my dad had more flexibility. He was a coach, and so he was the one in charge of getting me ready. 
Well, this particular parade, we were going to be wearing new outfits. So first of all, resources. My dad invested resources, okay? So I remember, you know, taking the outfit out of the package. It was like a cowboy theme. And it, the outfit was red and white uh, and black. Had a cowboy hat, bandana. So I'm pretty much dressed. But we have these two pieces of cloth left that are Velcroed and can't quite figure out what we're supposed to do with them. So my dad was like, oh, well, we must Velcro them together and put them around your thigh. Okay, sounds like a plan to me. So when we get to the parade and I see my friends, um, hey, daddy, um, it didn't go around my thigh. They were wristlets. We need to. So, you know, he lovingly got involved in, in a meaningful way in my life. And that is one of my most cherished memories to date. You get involved in what you care about. All right. Over and over, from Genesis to Revelation, God reveals in very vivid color that he cares for his children. Number two, what are you willing to do to keep and protect what you value? My children are extremely valuable to me. Yes, I will lay down my life for them if it came to that. But if I'm being completely honest, it would be a greater sacrifice if I had to kill a snake to save their life, okay? I don't like snakes. I know God created them. They're part of the ecosystem. I got all of that, okay? I think something it just happened, you know, the whole Garden of Eden, it just left a bad taste in my mouth when it comes to snakes. I'm just sorry. So living in Florida for the past five years has really brought me face to face with this reality about snakes. So within about the first nine months of us living here and moving into our home, I sent my son next door to get something from the neighbor. Within 30 seconds, he comes bolting back in the house screaming. I'm like, what is the problem? I'm, and I'm literally standing at the front door. So he was like, it's a snake, it's a snake. So I'm like, well, let me see what's going on. So I opened the front door and literally within two steps, there is an adult water moccasin. So I closed the door. Now I'm screaming, Chris, you know, snake, snake. So he comes and he gets with the neighbor and y'all, I was almost ready to put the house on the market. Okay. <laughs> You know, but, but I, was, I was telling my aunt about this. She was like, baby, you live in a cleaned up version of the Everglades. It's just going to happen. This is just, okay, there's par for the course. So anyway, God again leads us by, leads by example in demonstrating that he, there is no length by which he won't go to, to make sure that we are forever in fellowship with him, that we are not lost for eternity. God gave his son and his son gave his life for all of us. Jesus especially invested in the least valued in society. So let's talk about women in the culture of that day. Living in America in the 21st century, sometimes it can be challenging for us, especially, you know, it's, it's 2021, to understand how revolutionary Jesus' actions were in our text scripture. During that time, women were considered property. They really didn't have significant influence. Okay, social and many of the social, political, and especially religious institutions just flat out excluded women. 
There was, there, was, there was no invitation to have a seat at the table. For example, women had to perform their morning rituals significantly farther away from Yahweh's temple than men. In Ezekiel 8.14, women could pray by the temple's northern gate while the men participated in the service in the temple's inner court. So ladies, wives, there was no sitting next to your boo in service or serving alongside of him in ministry at church. That just wasn't going to happen. Jesus turned the culture on its head where women were concerned. Luke 1, and it came to pass afterwards that he went throughout every city village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God and the 12 with him. Jesus drew a crowd everywhere he went and everywhere he went, women showed up. Luke would often say all the people, referring to the crowds that followed Jesus. Well, women were part of that all the people. I want you to think about back in that time, the, the duties that women had to perform. You know, now we have modern conveniences. We have microwaves and ovens and dishwashers and, and washing machines, okay? Back then, women had to go in the fields and, and bring in the wheat and grind it and make the bread and go down by the river and wash the clothes. And I mean, oh my gosh, just thinking about it just makes me tired. So you think about, here it is, these women hear about Jesus. They left whatever they were doing. Dinner didn't get served, laundry wasn't done, because they had to go hear Jesus. They also took a chance by being just in the crowd because Jesus was considered an agitator by authorities and religious leaders. He could have been arrested at any time and those with him and in the crowd. So they took a risk just being present. Verse 2, and certain women, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils, and Joanna, the wife of Shuza, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others, which ministered unto him of their substance. This entourage of women made Jesus socially unacceptable when measured by rabbinic standards. For a rabbi, to have women accompanying him was virtually unprecedented. Can you say scandalous? It was. In first century Judaism, such conduct was considered scandalous for women, especially a married woman, which Joanna was. This was international newsworthy material, ladies and gentlemen, okay? Now, like many others in the ancient world, rabbis had a low view of women, and they refused to even teach them. Jesus' actions were not only politically correct, but they flew in the face of conventional wisdom. Women in Jewish society, again, had little influence that they could use to help Jesus from a political perspective, but despite that, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Susanna, and many others traveled with him, maybe not necessarily all at the same time or all at once. He engaged in meaningful conversation with them. He healed them spiritually and physically and then said, come with me. 
even though these women had very little influence, according to verse 3, the scripture says they helped to fund Jesus' ministry. In the Greek, the word substance that the scripture uses means property or wealth. Look, these ladies had money. They had what I call she money. Y'all know what she money is? She money is money that a woman has that she has complete discretion over how it's spent. I love it when I have she money. Okay. So, and this was a big deal. These women valued Jesus so much that they not only invested their time, but their energy and their resources. So let's learn more, a little bit more about who were these women and what God is revealing about them. Uh, Back to Luke chapter eight, Mary Magdalene. Okay, according to gospel accounts, she was cleansed by Jesus of seven demons. She had been battered and bruised, injured, and in agony, suffering for years. Losing control of her body, dignity, Everything that was precious to her, beauty, wealth, that could not help her. And the daily attacks that she endured can only be, it's unimaginable. So just think about how grateful this woman was to be completely healed, spirit, soul, and body by Jesus. She was one of the witnesses of the crucifixion the burial of Jesus, and she is famously known as the first person to see Jesus after the resurrection. Ooh, what an honor. All four gospel accounts record the presence of women at the foot of the cross, and all of them mention Mary Magdalene. She was all in and she was fully committed. Susanna. Susanna's really, she's only mentioned this one time, this one time in in Scripture in Luke alongside Joanna. What we do know about her was that she too was healed by Jesus and she had financial means and she traveled with him. Now, Joanna was also healed of evil spirits and diseases by Jesus. Whether Joanna had been set free from a demon or healed of a mental or physical disability, we don't know that. But she was the wife of Shuza, the manager of Herod Antipas' household estate. The fact that she was the wife of a man who was employed by Herod is really ironic because, see, Herod hated Jesus. Can you imagine the strife that could have caused in their household? Come on. Okay, that, that, that sure upset some harmony in the home for a period of time. Also, Joanna was a woman of means and influence. She had the one-two punch, which was a position that very few women found themselves in. No doubt she had to step down from her aristocratic social position when she chose to follow Jesus and his disciples, not to mention the ridicule she must have faced from her peers, family, and friends. She traveled with Jesus in his final journey from Galilee to Jerusalem. Scholars tell us that they believe that Joanna may have been a key source of much of the detailed information that Luke included in his writings about Jesus' life. So her life is an example of how the gospel demolishes class and social barriers. She didn't allow her 
position or her status to keep her from following Christ. These women walked with Jesus during his life. They remained at the foot of the cross as he hung there dying. They followed his lifeless body to the tomb where they first, where they first discovered that he was risen just as he said he would. And after overcoming their initial shock, they joyfully went and told the disciples that the one whom they had supported and loved was no longer chained by death. In allowing these women to be the first to proclaim his glory of resurrection, Jesus acknowledged their faithful support and, he, and the, the love that they had for him. What was in these women's hearts was evidenced by their bold sacrifice. They lived their faith out loud. They passionately pursued Jesus, and he made space in the word to elevate them and give them a voice. In Romans chapter 6, Paul says he calls the women that served along with him in ministry co-laborers. They, they, they did it with me. Jesus would not allow women to be ignored or left out of the written account of his word. He gave them value by healing them, loving them, and teaching them. I am an African-American woman by God's design, and I place great value on my life, as we all should place great value on our lives, because the foundation of that value comes from who he says I am. I am accepted in Christ, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. I have the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. I am created by God in the womb and fearfully and wonderfully made, Psalms 139, 13 through 16. I am precious to God and honored by him, Isaiah 43, 4. I also find and feel valued by the most important men in my world. My dad was the first man and spiritual leader in my life, and he laid the foundation for my value as a woman. I was always, I always felt unconditional love, protection, and support from my dad. He was such a great promoter of Miko. I can remember at maybe around the age of 15, showing up, going with my dad, showing up at the local Cadillac dealership. So I lived in a small town, and the Cadillac dealership was on the hill on the outskirts of town. So it was a big deal in our community. And so I remember going in with my dad at the Cadillac dealership, my dad is having a conversation with someone, and the next thing I know is I have a job. Now, remember, I'm, I'm about 15, and the job was part-time in the automotive service department. So I was like, my dad must think very highly of me. <laughs> you know, I don't know what skills I could bring to the table, but I tell you what, I was one of their best employees. And so to think my dad championed me, he believed in me, he encouraged me in all of my endeavors. I'm so grateful that my husband values me in those ways as well. Chris invites me 
and trust my opinion and point of view because he knows that as a woman, I bring a unique perspective. I can see things he can't see and I can hear things that he can't hear. He consistently invests in me all that he is and all that he has. Just like Jesus cultivated an environment for women to flourish, so have Johnny Staples, my dad, and Christopher Page, my husband, create an environment for me to continue to flourish and to be all that God has called me to be. Chris is also creating an environment for our two daughters to flourish and modeling for our son what does it look like to value women. Praise God. So gentlemen, young, middle-aged, and aged to perfection, how are you valuing Christ in your life? And therefore, from that perspective, valuing not just the women in your life, but all women. Would the women in your life be able to say that they felt valued by you? If not, then there's no difference now than in the culture of Jesus' day and how sad that would be. The Bible informs culture and her value, our value is based in Christ. Thank you. Miko, thank you so much for reminding us of the value that we have, and uh, thank you for being with us today and for your ministry in our community and our city. We really appreciate you being a part of it. Uh, you know, as we have entered into this series and looked at the Gospel of Luke, I, I don't know if you've been reading along through the Gospel of Luke, uh, but it's amazing when you begin to look uh, at things you didn't notice before, then you begin to see it everywhere. And so I would just encourage you, as you continue to read the Scripture, look for the way that God demonstrates not just honor, but value to all people. Uh, regardless of where they come from, uh, regardless of their men or women, young or old, uh, sick or well, and uh, we, can, we can all learn from that. And, and I appreciate the challenge you gave to me and to all the men in the room to live like Jesus. We're all called to do that, but I, I think it's important for us to remember that. We are really glad you were with us today, uh, whether you're online or in the room. I would encourage you today, if you want to know more about how to get connected with Southside, uh, maybe you're, you would like to know more about this, uh, this Savior uh, Jesus and how he values you, uh, would you just text the letters IHD, IHD stands for I have decided, IHD to 904-441-8650. Uh, if you do that, we'll respond to you. We can pray with you. We'd love to meet with you. If there's a way we can help you on your journey, we would love to do that as well. Thank you for listening. Like what you just heard? Take a moment and subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search SSBC Jacks. If you live in the Jacksonville area, we'd love to engage with you on Wednesdays or Sundays. You can find out about our service times, next-gen programming, and more at ssbc.org.